Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Ego Chat Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we're going to go through the first week of matches in the Call of Duty League's 2023 season which included a very controversial uh, forfeit result um, involving Optic Texas uh, but we'll talk about all the matches, and at the end of the show, we'll be predicting uh, the next set of matches, um, which will be the final, uh, you know, final set before we get to the very first major of the new CDL season. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm all right. It's been a long week, but you know, we got some uh, COD to talk about, and even more coming tomorrow, so it should be a good one. Yep. Uh, let's just get right into it then. Um, we're going to start off with, uh, we're going to go in chronological order. If you haven't uh, been a part of our podcast uh, over the past two seasons, um, typically what we do during the season is, you know, we kind of give our thoughts on the matches, uh, you know, the qualifying matches as as it happens through the week. And then, um, and then we'll give our predictions later in the show. Uh, we'll start with Boston versus Atlanta, the first match of the new CDL season. Uh, we both picked Atlanta for this and uh, it didn't quite work out. Um, in our favor, uh, Boston looked pretty good, and Atlanta, um, maybe as some people expected, uh, did not look um, as as good as they have in past seasons. This is the first year um, in a few years that they made a roster change in the offseason. Um, any thoughts on Boston winning this 3-1? Yeah, I, I think the big thing that stands out is this was Big Wake's debut on uh, Boston, and he played like Big Wake in this one. I had a 1.31 overall KD, and I think one of the highlights of the entire series was his 1v2 on Abagra Search and Destroy. Um, I forget who the two players were. I can click the clip and actually find it. But um, he didn't even have dead silence popped, and he was able to make a play uh, through the bottom middle part of the map, out the doors, and just flanked both uh, Abizi and Cillium from behind. So uh, that was in the fifth round of the search. That was tied 2-2, so it was a pretty big momentum swing that uh, Boston was able to capitalize on after losing the first match of the series, which was uh, Embassy Hardpoint. So a uh, pretty big swing there, and then they go on to take uh, the Control 3-0, which was pretty impressive too. I believe they won two offenses in uh, the Control, and although this was the first series uh, of the season, I think, like, I'm pretty sure J-Cap like, tweeted, like, that's the first time he had seen anybody win two offenses in uh, an Albaga control since like scrims and everything like that. Um, and I think it's tweet with some that was the first time and it might even be the last. So uh, limited sample size, obviously for us fans, but um, that is something to keep an eye on going forward that we might not see again. So uh, that was interesting. And yeah, just overall, it was uh, obviously surprising that Boston won to us and probably a number of viewers and fans just because of the uh, pedigree and the expectations placed upon a team like Atlanta Phase. So uh, good win, strong upset to start the season here. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, at least for me, I, I wasn't expecting it. So I uh, started things off on an interesting note. Yeah, I think uh, Boston fans are probably hoping that it's a sign of things to come, that this team will gel quickly and be able to get out to a really good start. Um, for FaZe, uh, it's hard to judge any team, uh, not just FaZe, but any of these teams on two matches 
of you know online matches as well like the that's kind of a, a small sample size like you said um and we don't really know how different the game will play online versus land um which you know that uh, a big chunk of those points will come uh when they get to the first major but i mean boston looked really good phase i don't think that there was anything that popped out to me that um was like super different from last season when they were winning matches it just i mean they didn't get the kills they needed and you know sometimes that's just the way it works um and if you look at the stats, of Beezy and Sim didn't have great games outside of, you know, map one. But again, when you lose a match, that's kind of to be expected as well. So I'm, I'm not, I don't really know where to, uh, you know, where to actually react to that, especially considering we'll talk about their uh, later result. That is a, a, an impressive victory, you would think. And, um, you know, maybe things just turned around later in the weekend. Um, the second match of the, the week and of the season is... Uh, obviously the most controversial of, of any of the matches that we had this weekend, uh, optic Texas went up against the Minnesota rocker. And, um, I mean, this is a weird situation that really kind of illustrates some of the issues that the call of duty league has or call of duty esports has, um, with not having the technology to go into certain uh, you know, sections of the map, like pause a map and then be able to rewind it so players can uh, get the streaks back that they had or be able to resume uh, when a bug uh, comes into play. And this was the case with, I believe, Cammy um, got stuck into one of his streaks uh, that was uh, GA'd and he froze uh, for several seconds and they, uh, Minnesota basically complained about it. They said, like, you know, we couldn't really do anything with him on the map because of this bug. They wanted to replay the map despite losing it. And Optic said no. And it ended up being a forfeit loss for Optic. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on any of those details. Uh, but essentially, Optic went from possibly winning this series uh, because they were in the driver's seat to outright losing it and um, starting their season off with a loss. Uh, your thoughts on this optic uh, Minnesota controversy? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, before we get into the actual like forfeit situation and stuff, there were two maps that were played. Mm -hmm. Technically three maps were played in full because the control was completed. The, the bug happened at the very end of map three. Um, so regardless of the ruling, the map was actually finished. Um, but in map one, it, it was a close one. I think, yeah, 250 to 203 on Hydro Hardpoint. And uh, the thing that I took away from that is that, you know, it was, it was the first match um, of the season for Optic, obviously, but it's also the the last first match of a scump season and career. So um, just looking at that from. You know, everything, as we've said before, everything Skump does this year is going to be even under a microscope more than in the past just because it's potentially his last dance. So um, he played really well in, in game one, though. In particular, he led the entire lobby with 27 kills, went 27 and 17. Um, Afro and Vance both had 23. That was second most. And Shotzi had the... Uh, third most in the game with 21, but Skump had by far the best individual statistical performance to start 
uh, this series, so that was definitely worth uh, noting. Then we go to the Search and Destroy, and it was just an absolute dominant performance from Minnesota 6-0. Um, I honestly, like, I was going to watch it back, but I, I didn't, and I don't even remember really watching much of it just because it was so fast and just uh, Minnesota was in control, and that, that could be a theme for this team uh, throughout the year. If they're able to continue to play well on Search and Destroy, they're, they're going to be uh, a very scary team throughout the rest of the year. Um, and then in the control itself, uh, Skump once again played particularly well, went 28-20, and 20, uh, had a huge two-piece at the end of the game that essentially like opened things up for Optic to try to close things out in, in the fifth round of the control. Um, but now getting to the actual situation um, around the forfeit and all that, I there's a lot of viewpoints you can tackle this from. Um, I it seemingly just, I would have to go back and actually watch the specific end of the game, but it seemed like even with, um, the kill streak, it would have been hard for, um, Minnesota to actually stop Optic there unless literally the streak wiped out everybody on the team just because of the map position that Optic had and everything like that. Um, but regardless of where you stand on whether it should have re been replayed and all that stuff. I think one thing that needs to be noted and one thing that was talked about heavily was the the fact that the streak was GA'd, and I don't think that's something that needs to be considered in this situation just because um, a bug can happen with any feature in the game, right? It doesn't matter. Like, it could have been the M4, which was by far the most popular gun uh, used throughout this weekend. Like, somebody, like, could have got a bug where they couldn't reload it or something like that, right? Like, it, it could have even been one of the streaks that is allowed, like the Predator missile. Um, so, regardless of the fact that it was a GH streak, I don't think that matters. I think the bigger issue is that this bug exists, is known about, and the, the pros and people's hands are tied because... We're in a position where there's just not consistent patches with bugs like this. It, it could be a very long time where something like this is fit, uh, before something like this is fixed. And I think that's the bigger issue. It's really um, out of the player's hands. And in this game in particular, with the CDL mode, you're not able to unselect the SAE. So I think, I, I can't remember, I, I think it might actually be called a precision airstrike, whatever. Um, the third option is actually called, but you can pick precision airstrike and the, the the cruise missile or predator missile, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's the sixth streak, and then the seventh streak is the SAE. You have to have two of those selected, um, just by default. Like you can't only select one, and I feel like that would be an easier fix than even fixing the actual streak itself. Like if you just had the option to deselect the SAE, they wouldn't have it. You know, have that happen. Uh, the other issue that I have noticed from playing the game myself too is that selecting the kill streaks when you have multiple of them is different than in other games, and I feel like um, it's almost in reverse. Whereas in previous games, if you wanted to, if you had multiple streaks and you hit the kill streak button just fast, it would automatically use the first streak. In this game, it uses the last one, so. If Cammy wasn't thinking about it and just went to use a streak right away, trying to get to that missile or airstrike, but has the SEE, the SEE is the higher streak, and it just went to that by default, causes the bug, etc. Um, so there's just a lot of 
things with this game in general that need to be fixed and obviously a bug with a kill streak might not be the top priority but this just is an example in the long run of you know fixes or something needs to be done to address this going forward because it could happen in uh, a crucial thousand dollar round of search and destroy even or you know obviously this is an important qualifying match but it wasn't the grand finals of cod champs um and who knows we could realistically be looking at a bug that exists until cod champs if the developers don't get on it fast so um i i think that's the bigger takeaway at least in my eyes it, it obviously because it happened against optic the most popular team in the league um it was magnified even more i think this is definitely an issue regardless of what team it happened to um, but I think for those who care about the competitive integrity of the league, um, it's almost a good thing that it happened to Optic just due to their popularity and um, the kind of influence and you know so much vocal support for a team like Optic and uh, frustration voiced about the circumstances could actually be more likely to cause change as opposed to if this happened to Vegas or, you know. London, I don't know. I guess London isn't a great example just because they have the EU support, but uh, hopefully viewers understand what I'm trying to say. I think that's a good point about it happening to Optics, so there's more eyeballs on it, and the 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 pressure from the community could be even greater uh, on Activision just because Optic uh, got screwed by it or, you know, were uh, definitely did not benefit from this. Um that being said, I also think it's a good like a good precedent to follow for the CDL because there's always the possibilities and there's the likelihood that you will have bugs in Call of Duty, especially when it's online. And if it's not a user error, if it's your controller died, your controller broke mid-map, that's like if you know your your pads break or or something your sh your shoe you know disintegrates like Zion's did when he was at Duke like something like that is it's your equipment and it's therefore your responsibility whereas this is a an Activision this is an an, uh, an Affinity Ward thing this is not a uh you know like a Minnesota rocker they caused this you know he accidentally pressed a button and he's frozen in the map like that is entirely on the developer and the publisher and therefore the cdo and if if that's the case then that they kind of have to replay it even if you know you would logically think they probably weren't going to win or like the the likelihood that they would win is small at the end of the day if the team wants to replay it they should have the opportunity to replay it. And Optic could have replayed it if they wanted to. They did not. They did not want to replay the map. And therefore, they had to re they had to forfeit. Um, like, I, I, I think it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation, but it's also just something that happens. And I don't really know if there's anything that the CDL could do about it. And I've said that before in the past where... You know the CDL gets screwed a lot of times because they're they're also dealing with a you know a bug ridden game that they didn't personally develop. Um, like the the people running the CDL, the people that are making decisions about the league's choices, they don't have a real say in how this game runs or if it runs smoothly. Um, they hope it does, but you know the 
they don't really have a lot of, um, you know, sway or influence in that. And they did what I think is the correct decision. And it's just unfortunate that optic got their season off to such a bad start uh, because of everything that happened in this one control map. I, I will say too, that the, a couple of other important things to consider is that, um, regardless of whether you agree with the decision to replay the entire map or if there was the technology available to just replay that round or even you know like in league of legends with the chrono break they could have went to like five seconds before cami yeah. hit the, the uh kill streak if that technology was available they were having a totally different conversation mm -hmm. here um, I think somebody, it might have been on Breaking Point or Tactical Rab, I don't know where I saw it, but I think somebody dug up a tweet from uh, Daniel, uh, the, the GM for CDL earlier, um, talking about a replay feature being in the plans for this season and whatnot. So, um, obviously that wasn't available for this match, but it's, if we get something that consistently works like that, that helps avoid these situations entirely, or at least, you know, helps mitigate them much better than... Uh, this instance where we had almost an hour delay where we were just sitting here waiting to determine what was going to happen between map three and the eventual ruling. So um, the other thing that, uh, although regardless of whether you think it, it was a correct decision to have uh, a replay of the entire map or whatever, um, one thing to note too is that there were plenty of memes about this after the fact in the following matches where it was like, oh, if you're losing, just hit your SAE and then the CDL will get uh, give you a replay. Um, that's a, a bigger issue entirely if situations like that occur uh, further down the line. The one thing that I think people didn't realize when they're saying that is it's not like every single player has an SAE because you have to go on a seven kill streak to get it. So it's not like everybody just has an SAE in their back pocket. Like you have mm -hmm. to actually go on a streak to earn it in the first place. Um, but regardless of that, I think it was even, you know, it was brought up that even before the match, Cami himself tweeted on November 27th, can we get rid of streaks until they get fixed? My whole team got cruises and people are just putting precisions on us getting three pieces to break, unless there is actually a way to change them. Um, and that goes back to what I was saying with the issues with selecting streaks and whatnot. But regardless, like it was, it's been known by the players that there are issues with streaks and, um, as long as this isn't a case where I, I I don't I know there are certain people, including optic fans, who accused Cami of purposely using the SAE uh, to cause the bug. Like obviously, I I think that's ridiculous. Like he he can't cause a bug to happen, even if he knows about the potential bug. Like it, it's not guaranteed to happen every single time. Um, but it is an issue if we see going forward somebody has an SAE, is losing, and calls it in, and then we get a replay again. That's something I definitely don't want to see going forward. So it, this situation, no matter what side of the fence you sit on with it, the precedent has been set now for the rest of the year until this bug potentially gets fixed. It's going to be on the CDL to make sure that this is a consistent ruling going forward until we're able to get to a point where the streak is fixed, the bug is uh, you know remedied, and... We don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, the CDOs also, like you mentioned, they're going to have to uh, kind of watch these players and see if anybody is manipulating the rules to benefit themselves. And uh, it's going to be hard to determine which players are 
purposefully doing it if they do uh you know press their sae and they you know freeze and they're like all right let's get our replay um i I don't know how the cdl is going to react to that but it's it's something that they have to be really careful about because then it just becomes a really easily abused mechanic in the game um but again that the cdl is kind of picking up the slack that uh, the developers have essentially let go because that's something the developers should have to worry about and about fixing it. Uh, whereas the CDL shouldn't be worried about people pressing a score streak and getting an automatic replay. But um, that is the Call of Duty League, and uh, that's just kind of how things go. Um, but yeah, so Minnesota, they uh, technically won uh, that series 3-1, or uh, or I, I don't even know if they're considering there is a 3-1. Yeah, if you go to the CDL site, it says that uh, Optic lost map 4 to 0 which is pretty funny in my opinion. But um, obviously for the sake of our viewers here, um, those are the technical scores. It would be uh, Minnesota winning map 3-3-2. Actually, I don't even know if that's technically correct. It would pr- uh, let's see what the for that. I was gonna say yeah because they they ruled for a full map replay. Um, I do the schedule. Yeah, so probably it'd probably be a three zero and a two fifty to zero in map four. Details. Uh, but that's you know. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. The stats. No, they have it. They have a three two for. Uh, control too, which is interesting. Oh, and now it says one zero for hard point on El Bagra. That's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um regardless for our viewers' sake, the uh map four was not played in this series. Map three was not replayed after optic one three two. Um so the technical situation is um optic one map one, Minnesota one, map two, then uh, Optic was offered the replay for map three, refused to do the replay, so they lose map three, and refused to continue the series, so they forfeit map four. It's a three-one for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, well, uh, Optic they they got another chance to to win later in the the weekend, and I, you know they didn't finish out the weekend on a on a bad note, but they definitely started off pretty pretty bad. Um, the, the next match that we have is the Los Angeles thieves and the Las Vegas Legion. So the, the first, um, I believe they're actually just called the Vegas Legion. Um, so this is the first match for the Legion since they relocated from Paris to Vegas. Um, and you know, they kind of did what the Legion do and they lost, but, uh, I didn't think it was too bad, um, of a, a result, uh, especially in search and destroy. They won, uh, six, two on Albagra. And um, they were pretty competitive in both of the hard points as well, and uh, and they are facing the defending world champions. So it's uh, not a um, you know unexpected result that the Legion lost, and I I think they put up a good fight. What do you think? Yeah, that that was exactly my takeaway from this. Was it was a match I expected Let to win. Uh, I probably expected them to win you know, a little more convincingly even than they did. Um, but at the end of the day, I was pretty impressed with how Vegas played. It's obviously a tough mat- first match uh, for in essentially the last place team playing the first place team from the previous season. Um, but I thought, you know, they kept it close and they, they played pretty well, especially in the hard points. They, you know, put up 204 and 198 in losing efforts. So, so you know, just around losing by only 50 points. Um, 
pretty close. Uh, the control was pretty dominant for uh, LAT, 3-0 on hotel, but like you said, 6-2 in the search for Vegas. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have much else to say on that. I think this was um, a match most people expected LAT to win, but Vegas did look better than some people might have expected. Last match on uh, Friday was uh, the Los Angeles Gorillas versus the Seattle Surge. Uh, so RCD's LAG debut and Seattle, after having an incredible season last uh, last year, they're bringing back their roster. Um, a, a really close series, and in, in at least some parts, you know, the the opening hard point, the, both hard points actually were not very close at all. But um, we had a game two uh, round eleven search, and then we had a really close control as well. Uh, in game three, uh, but LAG were able to pull off the upset. Um, it's pretty obvious that this would have been an upset, especially if you looked at the stats and you you saw that Sib, uh, he was 108 and 57 for a 1.89 KD. Uh, he had nearly, he actually had exactly double Sparks kills in this <laughs> series, uh, but it didn't matter because uh, LAG were able to pull out the victory. Uh, they won um, uh, Breenberg Hotel uh, Game 5, Search 6-2. Um, let me get your thoughts on this because I was not very high on the Gorillas heading into this season. I wasn't entirely sure uh, what to expect of the Surge because... You know, they had a good season last year, but um, I was probably not going to put them in the top three again. But what do you think? Yeah, I think this one, there was another lengthy delay before game five. And this one, uh, I, I wasn't listening to the stream at that point. So I, I don't even know exactly what the issue was. Um, but it, it is worth mentioning there was another long delay in this match. And it took forever for uh, the series to actually end. But regardless, it was a pretty good series. Uh, like you said, the highlight is Sib just absolutely going off with 108 kills. Uh, like you said, double what Spart produced, but to put it in even more perspective, uh, the next highest in the entire series was Pred with 81, and the highest on LAG was 75 with Who. So he had over 30 more kills than the highest uh, kill total on the other team. So it was just a really strong performance out of Sib, regardless of the loss. Um LAG also had all four players go negative in the in the victory, which you don't see very often. Uh, that can be explained a little better, though, by the fact that they won maps 2, 3, 5. So obviously when you win two searches, KD doesn't matter as much, um, and you're more likely to see negative KDs overall if you're winning searches as opposed to winning hard point just because of the respawn nature. So um, I thought that was interesting, and... Uh, it was also interesting, Seb dropped 16 kills in the map to search and destroy, which obviously that's going to help the kill total even uh, a little bit more than dropping like 30 plus kills in a respawn. So uh, definitely an interesting series. Uh, we both picked Seattle, which a trend for this week was uh, us getting picks wrong. But regardless of that, um, yeah, I, I didn't have much expectations on LAG. I, I expected this to be, a, you know, a close series. Uh, but I did think Seattle was going to take it, and um, I, I'm just I'm happy that uh, you know our cities was able to get a win on his first team, or uh, his first match for a new team. And I think yeah, this is just you know it's going to be a situation again similar to last year where we might see some consistency issues with Seattle. Um, obviously hard to tell from one match, but it could be another situation where um, we see LAG, you know is able to pull off more wins and, and uh, you know, throw some predictions out the window. But 
Uh, end of the day, it is just, you know, it was one match on the first weekend, so I still need to see a lot more from both teams. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with predictions earlier in the year where you have these online matches with uh, somewhat new rosters or, you know, a completely different game. The meta, uh, you know, we'll maybe talk about it later in the episode, but the, the meta could be changing as well. Um, so, so many changes happen in the first month of the season. And because there are only two weeks of online qualifying matches, we have even, uh, you know, less of a actual sample size to judge these players and these teams on heading into the first major. So our predictions are probably going to suck for at least like the first month. Uh, maybe we'll get it right by major two. Uh, but you know, we were wrong pretty much on London uh, for a while last season. Uh, I was wrong. I think on LAG or something as well. Uh, multiple times, Florida definitely screwed me quite a bit as well. Uh, but uh, we'll, We'll hopefully get better in our predictions, or maybe just me, which would be nice. Um, starting on Saturday, we had Minnesota versus Toronto. This was, uh, I think, one of the matches that we were most looking forward to heading into this weekend because, um, obviously, Standy moved from Minnesota to Toronto uh, in the offseason, and then Scrappy was making his uh, CDL debut. And Minnesota, um, they overhauled their roster with a European flavor coming in um, with uh, this half Toronto and then Afro coming from London. Uh, so I was really excited to watch this. And I was really, really impressed by both teams in a sense, but especially Minnesota, they come out with a 3-1 win. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, you are obviously looking really forward, uh, really looking forward to Scrappy's debut. So how, how did he do? Yeah, I mean, he definitely played well in map one. Uh, in particular, he you know, led the entire lobby with 31 kills. Um, the, the next closest was Kleenex with 23. Everybody else in the lobby, all the other six players, all had less than 20 kills. So um, pretty solid performance there from Scrappy. Um, but then after that, it was all Minnesota throughout the rest of the season. Or, or sorry, the rest of the series. No, spoiler um, alert. <laughs> Uh, I think this was an important win after the circumstance with the Optic match, though. Like, if, if Minnesota lost the series after getting that forfeit win over Optic, there would have been, um, you know, even more hate potentially you know, like thrown at them, like, oh, they should be 0-2, yada, yada. But um, them getting this win, I think, proves to anybody doubting Minnesota's potential is that they certainly have the potential to be uh, a top team this year. And... Um. Yeah, I, I I think that's the the biggest takeaway from this is that they, you know, it certainly doesn't silence uh, any haters, especially when something happens for your team against a fan base like the Green Wall. Um, I, I think it does prove a point to the extent that just you know, ter or sorry, Minnesota is going to be a team uh, that is you know competing late in tournaments throughout this year. It wouldn't surprise me to see that. Um, again, limited sample size. We only we technically didn't even get to see two full matches out of them because of the forfeit. Um, but they did, you know, take down another team that would be in that similar like middle of the pack ranking tier heading into the series in most people's eyes. So, um, well, it was a, a pretty you know good win. I was I was thinking Toronto was going to take it, but um, obviously in the end Minnesota gets that win. They they go to two and zero, which with the forfeit. Um, 
is is important for their seeding heading into the major. But obviously, this major is a little different with uh, the pro am and group play and all that stuff. It, it, regardless, you still you obviously want to be two and zero as opposed to one and one or zero and two. Yeah, definitely. Um, really, Minnesota they they were very impressive, and uh, I, I'm look very much looking forward to these teams playing again. Uh, maybe on land or just later down the season um, because these teams with, you know, the chemistry and the experience with each other, I think can be really entertaining. I, I believe I put these two teams both in the top five, maybe even the top four in my power rankings when we did them, uh, you know, like a week ago. And, you know, I, I still think that I still think that both of these teams are, you know, some of the very best uh, that the CDO has to offer. Um, next up, we had New York versus London. Of course, uh, we got this wrong. Um, this was a London match, so it's it's kind of par for the course for us. Uh, we both picked New York and uh, London. They swept the subliners. Um, I, I don't know, like, I don't want to solid London short, but it also seemed like New York tilted uh, when they lost the, the opening hard point because they kind of, um, well, not kind of, but they really screwed up. Uh, they lost 250 to 244 on Albagra, and um, it looked like they were they had it in the bag at one point, and it slipped away. And then London just, you know, ran through New York in game two, games two and three. Uh, what do you think of this series? I I think that's a fair assessment. I I think obviously we don't know exactly what's going on in the camp, um, but. Obviously, in the nature that they lost that last match with a late comeback and to lose by six points in the game one, um, I think it's very safe to say that it's possible that they could have tilted. Um, and, you know, that that's a huge momentum swing. Obviously, you go into a round base mode like Search, um, which we can talk about after we talk about London's next match too, but London just played really well in Search all weekend long. And um, that that could be... A recipe for success for them if they're able to keep it up but re regardless of that is just yeah I, I was very surprised not only that london won but that they were able to win in 3-0 fashion again could have been a different story if new york were able to close out map one who knows what happened but we can't play the games of what ifs and all that uh we just gotta deal with what actually ends up happening so uh certainly interesting i still new york is one of those teams where they have talent it's it's really just going to be a question of whether they're able to put it together and uh, how this group of four meshes. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more from New York going forward, but obviously this was uh, a surprising one to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then we had Seattle versus Boston. Um, again, uh, got this wrong. We, uh, we both picked Seattle and, and the breach came away with the victory three, one. Um, let's just talk about Seattle real quick before we, you know, kind of give Boston their props because, uh, you know, they had a really incredible weekend to start, uh, you know, beating Atlanta and Seattle, two of the top three teams from last season. Uh, but let's just talk about the surge real quick. They start the season 0-2, um, a, a pretty close loss to LAG. They were a round away essentially from winning that series uh, in game two. And then uh, they, they lost here to Boston. Um are you? Is it too early to be concerned about the surge, or uh, for the surge fans that are having flashbacks to you know twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one? 
um, or even half of 2022 where they lost like seven matches in a row. Uh, is it too early for them to be concerned about their Seattle surge? I, I think it's too early. The team just has too much potential. And obviously we saw um, with them winning a major trophy last year and getting third at champs at the end of the year, uh, this team has a ton of potential. So I, I don't think we need to be uh, panicking any, you know, right now just after two early matches if, if you're a Seattle fan. But um I I do think the two wins for Boston against teams like FaZe and Seattle, which obviously Seattle stuck, FaZe only changes Arcities for Slasher, which, you know, could be a very big change in the grand scheme of things. Uh but it, on paper it's only a one person change. So they're effectively playing almost the same uh, eight players from last year on the teams that got second and third at the biggest tournament of the year. And Boston, in its second year as a franchise, they only, you know, they bring in Big Wake, who obviously played very well uh, this weekend, but they only made a one-person change, and it seems like that one-person change is already paying dividends for them early on. Um, still, again, I, I got to see more from all these teams, but I think this is a very strong start for Boston. You know, you really can't, I don't think. It, it is a very strong start for Boston. Um, but I, I just, I, I want to see more and I want to see if this is consistently what we can expect from the squad. Yeah, um, it's going to be, you know, like Seattle, they had a very up and down season last year. So maybe they're starting on the downslope right now, but they'll come up uh, in a few weeks or something like that. It, it happens with them. Uh, you know, they, they kept doing it all throughout last season and they finished on a really high note. Um, the last I'm pretty match... sure I said when we were doing our predictions that we we picked Seattle to go two zero and they were going to go two. Yeah, it's kind of the deal. Seattle and London <laughs> just you know they don't really care about our pickums. <laughs> um, the last match of Saturday, uh, Florida versus Vegas. Um, I mean, it's I, I don't I feel like I'm being overly optimistic about the the Legion right now. I'm not saying that they're winning champs. They are, but I'm not saying that. Um, Vegas, they, they're really, really close to winning this one. Um, they pulled out two relatively close hard points. The, the second hard point was a 13 point victory. Um, I don't really remember the control, but, uh, the search, they completely blew it. Um, they were up four, one, I believe, uh, in game five. And then Florida rattles off four straight rounds to make it five four. Paris was eight or not Paris. Vegas was able to force a round eleven, but then they lost the round eleven. Um, I'm not uh, obviously losing is bad. Like let's let's be obvious, but this is a you know if there's a moral victory for Vegas, it's that usually they would have probably broken down in like game four in this last year like they wouldn't have been able to get to game five um what do you think about this this loss for vegas yeah i think we both had very low expectations for florida and vegas mm -hmm. overall heading into the season two of the but worst teams i thought especially considering vegas's performance against la thieves in their first match i feel like this was a match that you know some people regardless of that first match uh, might have thought Vegas should win. And then you see how they stacked up against LAT in, a, in their loss. And you might even be thinking, like, yeah, they should definitely win this one. But uh, it just wasn't in the cards for them this time. Um, 
I, I think that's the bigger red flag for me here is that um, if Vegas wasn't able to win this one, like what's next? Are we are we in for another historically bad season for Vegas? I uh, you know for the players' sake on that team, I hope not. But um, I feel like this was a match they should have won, and very easily could have won, especially you know some other things went their way. But um, I think for Florida, you know, obviously I I said it on the other show. I'm pretty excited about seeing Brack. Uh, actually getting to play in the league. He played well in this series. Uh, you know, didn't have the most kills on his team, but he had a positive KD, so um, he was doing his job. I think the uh, overall theme of the match, regardless of any comebacks in Search and Destroy, is that uh, Florida did win 2-3-5, winning two searches. Uh, for a team with guys like Major Maniac and Havoc, who are known for their S&D play, um, if Florida is going to be winning some matches this year, it feels like that's going to be their recipe for success. Yeah, um, I'm not really confident in either one of these teams. Like you said, they're like I think quite obviously two of the, like the bottom four teams, uh, at least at the moment on paper and early in the season. Um, but you know. I have really low expectations for Vegas always, and I was pleasantly surprised with their performances this weekend. It gave me a little bit of hope that it won't be as bad as last year, and for Clayster's sake uh, especially, I, I don't want it to be, and, and for Temp and, and the guys, but um, you know, Clayster's uh, probably closer to the end of his career, and I don't want him to be on the worst team ever. Um, and the, like if, if we take... Uh, you know, a pound of salt and we say, you know, they probably won't be the worst team ever if they're able to do this and compete with LAT, nearly pull off a victory against Florida. Um, but you got to close out those victories. Uh, I, I know Paris lost a lot of close games last year, and that was a big reason why they were so bad. Their record was so bad. Um, hopefully it's not the same for them uh, this season, but I, I guess we'll see. Um, next up is the uh, the final matches on Sunday. Uh, LAG versus London uh, starting off. Of, of course, um, you know, London, they won again, 3-2. Uh, um, you mentioned their search and destroy play. Uh, you want to elaborate more, you know, like give them their props uh, because, you know, they've, I mean, if you're going to take a lot from the, the first two matches of the online, they looked incredible in S&D. Yeah, so I think, let me just look back at, because it was the 3-0 against New York. So they want, they played, ended up playing three Search and Destroys um, this weekend just because they 3-0'd and then they won 3-2 against LAG. Uh, the map scores were 6-2, 6-1, and 6-1. So that means they had an 18-4 and four round count in Search and Destroy this weekend. Uh, regardless of what team that is and at any level that's pretty impressive but especially at the pro level like this that's that's definitely noteworthy in my opinion and I think for another team like we were just talking about with Florida and Vegas not a lot of people had high expectations for this London team mm -hmm. uh, and now they're sitting at 2-0 and after the first weekend of qualifiers and they're playing well in search and destroy which obviously in my opinion uh, and in the eyes of many people is the most important mode uh, in professional Call of Duties that, you know, certainly can make the case for hard point, but, you know, I'm biased towards search. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that that's really important. If 
London especially is going to continue to be successful where I think we likely have to see them continue to play well in search because I just don't know uh, how strong of a respawn team uh, London can be but um, obviously if they figure out their their hard point and they're playing this well in search like that that's the recipe for winning championships so uh, again early on small sample size but uh, really impressed with London start and search and destroy in particular and in my eyes especially when we see them playing going forward is all eyes are going to be on their search to see what they're doing and how they're able to uh, be so successful in the mode if it continues. I was especially impressed with London winning the searches against LAG because LAG looked really good in search in their first match and uh, you know I was thinking maybe there's a chance that LAG will kind of uh, get that that swagger back that they had in major two last year where they were pretty much incapable of losing search. And that was the key to victory for them in almost every single match. Um, that wasn't the case because London just completely broke them over and over again. Um, which I, I don't know if that says more about London or if that's LAG or if, if it's just online and we shouldn't take anything from it. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely kudos to London. They, they did this last year. They were, you know, solidly like the third best team for, you know, like at least the first quarter of the year, um, in the 2022 season. And, uh, you know, things fell apart near the end, but, uh, maybe they're able to kind of get back there because I, I each individual player definitely has their role and is definitely talented in their own right. It's just that the star power on that team doesn't impress me to the point of other teams. But maybe that doesn't matter. Um, we've we've seen in the past before where um, you know these teams they don't have like this superstar, but they're able to uh, play together and and win matches regardless of that. Uh, next match was Optic versus Florida, uh, a really big bounce back win for uh, Optic because you know we we talked about it earlier having a really really uh, disappointing and frustrating way to you know quote unquote lose your first match. Uh, but um, they came out, they, uh, you know, a decently close hard point against Florida uh, where Skump, um, again, had a, a very solid game, but really it was Shotzi and Dashy combining for 50 kills. Um, and then in search, Skump uh, double figures, and then it was not really close on control, which is a good thing because they didn't probably want to replay it again if it got close again. Um, uh, what do you think about Optic? And, uh, you know, we talked about their loss, but what do you, do you think of their win? Yeah, I, I think, again, going back to our opinion on Florida, not, not going to harp on Florida because, you know, I like a lot of those guys on that team, but um, it was important for Optic to win this one 3-0, I think, just in response to the last match um you know if you're expecting to be a top dog and a really strong team to take care of business and and you know convincingly handle slash not struggle against a team that's not considered to be in the upper echelons of the rankings um I, that bodes well for optic and i think that they can put the uh you know controversy behind them that's nothing they can do about that now it's done and over where they just got to look ahead at these matches try to finish three and one uh to give themselves the best possible position for major one yeah uh, no debate here um nothing really surprising in that series to be honest uh the second to last match of the the weekend atlanta versus lat a rematch of the last uh, CDL championship final 
where LAT won. LAT seemed to have Atlanta's number late in the season. Um, but the the Fays were able to come out and beat the Thieves uh, in the opening match of this, this season. Uh, a 3-2 win for Atlanta and a good bounce-back win, just like we talked about with Optic. But Atlanta, uh, coming off that loss against Boston on day one, able to beat uh, LAT here. Um, what are your... Or, you know, everlasting thoughts on what could be the the rivalry of the season if these two teams are able to kind of do what they did last year. Yeah, I I was looking forward to this match, and it definitely didn't disappoint. If if anybody listening to the pod wasn't able to catch this one, uh, I definitely recommend going back to watch it because it was a pretty good series. Uh, regardless of the result, it was, most of the maps were close. Um, and, you know, just a lot of action. So uh, it was definitely, you know, what you were expecting from the two top dogs at the end of last season. Um, probably in many people's eyes, you think LA Thieves are going to continue their um, end-of-year streak against Atlanta. But, um, you know, Slasher gets some quote-unquote revenge against his uh, former organization, and they're able to take this 1-3-2. Um, I think... Most notably, the thing that stood out the most to me was the end of the control, which obviously could have been a huge uh, turning point in the series. It was um, in the round five, I believe. Um, yeah, so Thieves were on offense. They capture one of the zones and get two ticks on the uh, final zone, and they had a life advantage, which I can't... In this clip, I can't look. The latest it shows me is 10, uh, 10 lives remaining for Thieves to 6 for FaZe. I think it might have been even a little bit bigger of a difference than that at one point in the round. But regardless, it was uh, FaZe being on defense, only having, only being able to allow, or not being able to allow Thieves to capture any more segments because there's one left. Um, and having to lock it down because of Thieves capturing the time, basically... Uh, having to hold like just one tick for over a minute so uh, it was a pretty impressive I don't want to say comeback because it was 2-2 but um, however you want to describe it it was an impressive display from Atlanta to able to clutch up and close out that uh, control and what could have easily been a 3-2 win for the Thieves and if you look at that if they're able to take map three they win the uh following hardpoint 250 to 165, which was arguably the least close match of the entire series, um, then you're potentially looking at a 3-1 win for LAT here. So uh, that control was huge. Uh, obviously, was a must-win for Atlanta. But um, overall, yeah, this is a super entertaining series, and I, I hope we see these teams continue to clash uh, throughout this year, as I'm sure we could be set to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh... A really good series, and it, like you said, with game three, uh, that control was was pretty crazy. Uh, I the they they were at least a seven kill different or a seven live difference at one point. Um, the thieves had like a twenty to thirteen advantage, and then uh, it did get down to you know like ten to six or something like that. Uh, and then Atlanta basically didn't die anymore. I think Simp might have died once in the final minute, but uh, they, they were able to hold on and defend the the final control point. Um, I mean, that's kind of what you expect out of Atlanta, right? Like that they're able to clutch up and uh, even against a really good team like the Thieves, um, they're 
they're they're able to kind of pull it out in the end. Those are what the great teams uh, seem to do time and time again. And the Thieves, you know, it's a it's a loss, but um, you know, it's just one loss. It's not the end of the world. And we saw last year, it's really not about how you start; it's about how you finish. That you know, the Thieves didn't really have a a good first half of the season, but their second half was a lot uh, a lot better, and that's really all that matters at the end. Um, and then the final match of the weekend was Toronto versus New York. Um, I think this was an interesting match uh, coming in because obviously when we were predicting it, we didn't, we hadn't had, we hadn't had the pleasure to see Toronto or New York. Uh, but coming into this match, even through the weekend, uh, both teams had lost their first match of the weekend. And uh, definitely, you don't want to go down 0-2, uh, especially when you have a four-match um, qualifying period instead of a five-match qualifying period. Um, any thoughts on Toronto's 3-1 victory here? Yeah, I think um, to start the series with a hard-point win for New York was important, especially coming off of that uh, 3-0 loss to London, which in, in our eyes and potentially many other people's eyes was surprising that you know it was not only a loss but a 3-0 sweep. Um, it was important to get a map win on the board for New York in my eyes, but uh, after that, Toronto took over the series. There was the 1-1v4 one, one from Hydra in the Search and Destroy, which was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, well, other than that, the last three maps were essentially all Toronto. Um, there was also the one spot where Insight basically climbed up on a TV on the wall in the B bomb site of Hotel, and I certainly didn't know about it. I don't know how many pros knew about it, but yeah, I think it's safe to say that Insight taught a lot of people that spot. Um, and you know, New York, it didn't seem like they were aware because he was able to pick up a two piece in that round to close things out. So uh, that was a funny one. And if, if you know you're playing ranked play, whenever ranked play comes out or CDL mosh pit, whatever it might be. Uh, you're certainly going to want to keep your eyes on uh, that area of the B-bomb site if you're running in there for uh, when you're playing hotel. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I I just can't believe that some of these guys, they play the game so much that even other players that are dedicating their entire lives to this don't even discover it. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it because it's, it's not something that happens in like football or basketball. Usually that, you know, nobody's really inventing stuff, but in call of duty guys are basically inventing stuff all the time. And, uh, that'll probably be called like insight spot or something, insight box, <laughs> something like that. Um, so congratulations to him for likely getting a call out, uh, at least for the next year or two. Um, so the pickums, uh, as they stand right now, uh, through week one of the new CDL season, I am leading. Uh, I have a five and seven record, so not great. Uh, but you have four and eight records, and that's makes it great. Um, <laughs> and uh, but like I said earlier in the show, we'll likely be getting better at these as the season progresses. Um, we hope that we get better at them. Uh, we did have like a fifty-five like percent win percentage at least you did i think uh last season which was pretty good i i thought considering we we predicted like over a hundred or something matches throughout a year um but you know hopefully we'll be a little bit better by the time that the season wraps up 
Um, so let's time for predictions for week two. Uh, again, this is the final week of qualifying matches for major one, which will be a pro-am uh, like we've discussed. Um, so let's get right into them. On Friday, December 9th, uh, which is tomorrow or today probably if you're listening to this, uh, we have uh, Seattle versus London. So 0-2 team versus 2-0 team. Um, who do you got in this? I got to go with Seattle. I'm, I'm not uh, jumping off the not picking London train. I'm going to pick London because I got to <laughs> kind of jinx it, I think. Um, Florida versus Minnesota. I, I think it's pretty obvious I have to go with Minnesota. I, I just think they're a really good team. I agree. Uh, New York versus LAG. I'm going to go with New York. Uh, I'm not super convinced about LAG and, you know, New York's bad weekend last uh, last weekend doesn't necessarily convince me that they're going to be that bad uh, all the way through. Yeah, I could see it going either way. I'm going to go with LAG, though. Uh, and then the final match of Friday, Toronto versus Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta, but I'm really looking forward to this match. Yep, I'm going with Atlanta, too. I think... Uh... You know, if Toronto is able to jump out early, you know, obviously it's different because it's online. But if, if uh, uh, Scrappy gets a little excited and starts talking some trash, uh, they could get some momentum behind them. But I think Atlanta should take care of business here, too. Um, I will say, too, just real quick, uh, one thing that we didn't mention was I, I don't know the exact details of it. But for Toronto's first match, they played like um, in like. I think it was in Toronto's uh, headquarters and mm -hmm. they had like a little crowd and they had the four players set up like facing the fans as if it was like on a LAN environment. Um, obviously for Toronto's first match, they, they didn't end up taking that win, but I still thought that was a really cool uh, thing to see. And I think it's actually really smart, you know, to, especially for a team like uh, Toronto with a, a rookie like Scrappy who, you know, he certainly played in LAN events, but, you know, not at the CDL level yet. Um, I, I think it's cool to see, and we, we talked about in previous shows how some of these orgs are planning on doing some, like, LAN setups for online qualifiers later in the season. Um, I think that's just a really smart thing, and, and it, it was cool to see, in my opinion. I hope we see it from more teams, and it, it could be a potential evolution of these online matches. You know, we, we might get to the point where all the teams are doing something like this, and I think it could only be beneficial to them. Yeah, definitely. It's It could turn into a community event, uh, especially if these online matches are every weekend or most weekends. Uh, just having fans come in and sit down and get to watch the players play, and uh, even if it's a group of 10, that group of 10 makes a difference, I, I think, and it could get these players ready for LAN and just the, the pressure that goes along with playing in front of a crowd, uh, even if it is much bigger um, when we actually get to LAN. Uh, next match of the weekend is, uh, we'll go to Saturday, uh, December 10th, Atlanta versus Vegas. Um, you know, I think we both are probably going to go with phase on this one. Yep. Optic versus London. I'm going to go with optic. I, <laughs> I, I can't pick London in two matches. I think that's a little too much. What do you say? I'm going with optic too, but I think this, you know, just based on London's performance early, that it's, this is going to be a good test for them. Yeah. Uh, New York versus Boston, a classic rivalry. Um, uh, you know, not really in the CDL, but uh, I'm going to go with, oh, who are you going with? As as much as it pains me, I'm I'm gonna go with Boston here. Yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not feeling not feeling overly confident either way. Uh, I think I'll go with the breach as well. They did play and, and, really and well. And just to clarify, played. it's not, you know, a painful pick for me in CDL terms, but as the pinstripe uh, behind me prove uh, thinking in traditional sports sense, it, it is weird to pick Boston over New York in anything. Yeah. Uh, LAT versus Florida, the last match of Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go with the Thieves. Yep. That's uh, a, a pretty tough schedule for uh, yeah. Florida. Uh, they got to play Minnesota and Thieves this week. Yeah, but if they're able to pull off one of those wins, it could, especially the first one, uh, could be a real momentum changer, but that's easier said than done. Uh, Sunday, December 11th, uh, we have the final four qualifying matches of the weekend. Um, Minnesota versus Vegas. I have to go with Minnesota. Same. Seattle versus Toronto. I'm probably going to go with Toronto. I am too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of a tough schedule for Seattle uh, as well because obviously they're 0-2. They face London in the first match of this weekend, and London has looked really good. Um, And then playing Toronto is no easy feat like in any season. Uh, So uh, I, I think... There's a real possibility that they'll be 0-4 going into this major. Uh, and then the final two matches at, uh, feature LA teams. Um, the first one, LAT versus Optic, the HBR Classic, as I uh, like to call it. Um, a pretty big match, I would assume, because both these teams heading into the weekend with one loss, uh, it could have some seeding uh, ram- ramifications. And more importantly, probably just the momentum aspect of this. Uh, if you go into the major off of a loss, even if it's online, I don't think that's uh, ideal. Uh, I'm going to go with Optic, um, but I'm I'm not convinced either way. Both these teams uh, are always capable of winning any match. Yep, this is definitely one I circled right away when I was filling out this doc for us. I'm, I'm you know, similar to FaZe versus LAT last week. Uh, looking really looking forward to this one. I think this could be the best matchup of the whole weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Thieves. And the final uh, match of the weekend, the Los Angeles Gorillas versus the Boston Breach. Uh, I'm going to go with the Breach. I'm not, you know, I, I've said it before, I'm not convinced LAG are, uh, you know, one of those top-tier teams. I'm not really convinced that Boston is either, uh, but um, I just feel the breach on this one. What do you think? I'm going with Boston, too, which means that I have Boston going 2-0, and they very very easily could go 0-2 because of that. Yeah, I mean, we could... A lot of these teams could lose uh, that we're we're picking. Um, You know, we we could both have a losing record again going into the major... Um, which the major uh, we should mention is uh, going to be starting on December 15th. We'll have a show before then, obviously, but um, the event begins on Thursday, December 15th in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, And like we've mentioned uh, on the show, this will be a pro-am as well, uh, which means that the top challengers teams will be competing alongside the CDL teams, uh, which is the only time uh, I believe that this season that that will be happening um which it's always a cool uh cool event uh you know we had the first pro-am classic mid-season last year and that was fun uh but it felt weird because it was kind of in the mid-season break and teams probably were kind of getting used to each other whereas this is a lot bigger. This is the first major of the season everybody wants to start off on a good note um start off on the right foot um, and uh, I think it, it should be a fun event. 
um, when we get to the first major. Um, before we get out of here, uh, I'm going to let you take over on the, the GA and the new meta stuff. Uh, I did see it on Twitter, but for the people that aren't glued uh, to their Twitter uh, timelines and aren't up to date with all of the latest happenings with the gentlemen's agreements and COD, uh, can you fill us in on the M4 stuff? Yeah, so I think anybody who watched uh, this weekend, it should have been uh, very apparent that the M4 was just the most dominant gun uh, seen by the team. In many cases, you were seeing three used by each team uh, on any particular map. Mm -hmm. So the conversation and the drama this past week was about whether they want to continue using the M4 or not. It seems like there was like a leaked screen grab of the chat saying, use it until major one and now it's seeming like they're not going to use it for uh the rest of these qualifiers but um that's just going to be something to keep an eye on um in place of the m4 it seems like most uh players are going to the scar which i think is the taq 56 i might have got the numbers wrong but it's something like that um basically the scar from old mw2 for long time cod fans it essentially looks the same and functions the same um it's a little bit of a slower gun. It feels stronger in some situations to me just because, you know, it has that um, a little bit of a slower rate of fire than the M4. But if so, if you're consistently hitting your shots, you might even kill just a little bit faster, um, which is weird to think about. But if you actually feel the gun and see it in action, you might see some situations where that, that might not sound totally dumb. Um, but regardless, I like the Scar a lot in this game. I think it could change the pacing, though, and... Uh, that's one thing, like, the M4 just feels more like a do-it-all sort of gun at this point. You you can almost, with certain attachments, which might be GA'd, uh, not entirely sure, but regardless, you, you can set your M4 up to almost run, like, you know, a sub and AR at the same time. And um, with, if the M4 is removed, we might be able to see a more traditional split of actually players using the SCAR to be AR players and the Vaznev to be sub players, so... Um, I think that could be what we see a little bit more of if the M4 isn't used this week, but we're going to just have to wait uh, to actually see how things shake up due to this. But that's something definitely to keep your eyes on this week, which could be, uh, you know, could totally change how some of these results go because obviously this past week we saw how teams played with the M4 and if they switch it up, um, it, it could completely change the uh, results for some teams. So definitely going to play a factor this week if if the GA is actually initiated and followed through on. And um, I do like the SCAR, though, as a gun in this game, so I will be interested to see how uh, the pros are able to use, utilize it if it is the uh, new meta AR. Yeah, uh, definitely a could have a pretty significant ramifications uh, just with the meta, not only for these online matches, but... Uh, because the LAN is uh, a week away, less than a week by the time everyone here uh, listens to it, I mean, players have to travel to North Carolina, and that means practice won't be, you know, all the way till, you know, Thursday morning, and that's even less time to practice with the SCAR or whatever gun is going to be replacing the M4 and the meta, so, um, you know, for the final week of online matches and for land, that's a, that's a pretty big change to be happening, um, you know, mid stage or whatever. Uh, but should be interesting and uh, definitely tune in. I, I believe the viewership for the first week 
of uh, the COD League, which we didn't mention. It was on Twitch uh, for the first time in the CDL's history because the CDL had uh, been on YouTube for the first three seasons. Um, I think it was the day of or the day before. Uh, I think it was the day before the CDL um, began this year. Uh, they announced that they were moving back to Twitch and they would also allow co-streams on Twitch. And then they would also be streaming on uh, the Call of Duty League.com website. Um, just... I mean, that's awesome that, you know, over 100,000 viewers on Twitch, I believe even more when you looked at the co-streams and whatnot. Uh, so uh, an awesome weekend to start off the CDL. Hopefully that continues on this weekend. Uh, do you have anything before I do my shtick? Okay, so subscribe and follow and make sure to keep up with our podcast feeds. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube uh, where you can watch the video version. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating or a thumbs up wherever uh, you are listening or watching on. Follow us on Twitter. He's at jbank with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers and the podcast Twitter is at Ego Chow Podcast. The next show will be sometime earlier next week uh, because the land starts on Thursday. We got to get it out at you know, at the very latest on Wednesday. So uh, we're aiming for Monday or Tuesday um, to, to record this and get it up uh, the next morning. And uh, on that show, we'll be, you know, covering these uh, final online matches, how they went, and then previewing the very first major of the new Call of Duty League season. So that should be fun. Um, that's all I have. Take it away, Bink. Yep. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Uh, I don't have the uh, numbers for the audio version of the podcast. That's all Preston, but I was happy to see uh, for our first episode for this new season that we did have some uh, pretty good views on the YouTube video. So I just want to thank you guys for tuning in last week and hope you guys uh, continue to do so and you like what you hear. So uh, thank you guys for that. I'm looking forward to another good weekend of matches leading up to that major next week. And yeah, we're, we're back in full swing. So thank you guys as always. and. Remember to send the chill.